Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Podcast Live. We'll be here for the next hour to unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well on this Monday morning. It is Super Bowl week. We've got a lot to talk about today. We'll talk about the big game coming up on Sunday. We'll look back at at past Super Bowls. We'll, We'll talk Tom Brady and Mahomes. We'll talk about some of the other storylines, some of the other players to look out for with the upcoming game. We've also got to talk about a lot of movement going on in the NFL. Coaching changes, quarterback changes, the big trade with Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. What does that look like? What does that mean moving forward? Before we get to all that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? We'll go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. My voice, a little raspy today. My 18-month-old got a little cold. I'm dealing with a little bit of it myself, but feeling good because it is Monday, and I love Super Bowl week. Normally, I love all the the media hype, and and so it'll be different this year. There won't maybe be the, the same kind of buzz, but let's face it, this is a unique Super Bowl this year. So in many ways, it will be memorable. And so I, it's almost like we're, we're seeing everything kind of for the first time. What will this what will this week look like? What will it look like with the Bucks actually being at home in, in Tampa Bay? So that's intriguing as well. Today on the show, we do want you to be a part of things. Jump in on the, the, the chat. We would love to hear your thoughts on the matchup. Who are you picking? Who are you looking out for as far as some underrated players? Also, the, the question today to, uh, to jump in on the chat as well, what is your favorite Super Bowl from the past? And what is your least favorite Super Bowl? Would love to know what your answer is on that. And so we're coming to you on Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. And so we'd love to have your responses on there. All right, let's say hello to the other members of this show. Let's say hello to Corey Miller, former NFL linebacker and the director of ministry outreach here at Unpacking It. Corey, good morning. How are you, man? Uh, greetings, everybody. Hope you're doing well. I am uh, enjoying this Monday, rainy Monday here in Columbia, South Carolina, and a little cold, but hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm still rejoicing, and I'm glad, and uh, glad that it's Super Bowl week. Glad that we can finally talk about this game and, and break it down, and, and it should be a good one. It should be a good football game, so I'm doing great, guys. All right, absolutely. Luke, good morning. You coming to us from Texas today? Sure am, yep. I am in the great state. Everything is bigger in Texas, and I am super pumped to chop it up with you guys this morning. All right, well, good to see you guys. So let, let's start, though, with the the big news from the weekend. And and I think it was somewhat surprising when we started hearing Jared Goff's name in, in trade rumors and, and the fact that the Rams were looking to move on from him. You know, just a couple years ago, he's playing in the Super Bowl. And now he gets moved to Detroit. I think the fact that that Stafford was, you know, being shopped wasn't too surprising. 
Uh, another regime is coming into Detroit with Dan Campbell taking over as head coach and a new GM. And so it made sense at this point in his career to move on. They, they both said, hey, let, let, let's part ways. And it seemed amicable. And now he ends up in L.A. And so I'm curious your guys' initial response when the news came out this weekend. And and I'll say for me, the the biggest, I guess, takeaway is now what for the rest of the teams? What does this mean for Indianapolis? What does this mean for San Francisco? Uh, what does this mean for the Panthers? So a lot of teams that maybe were in the mix thinking they might get Stafford, they're now having to go a different direction. And then what does that look like for the trade market for Deshaun Watson? So what did you guys uh, initially think when you, when you heard this trade? You know, it's uh, one of those things. Uh, it, it, it really becomes <laughs> who Detroit is because when you go back over the history – I know back in the day when that Scott Mitchell and Barry Sanders guys I played against uh, rushed over 2,000 yards, Hall of Fame running back, that the organization was so bad. He said, you know what? I quit. Don't worry about trading me. Don't worry about nothing. I'm, I'm done. So when you get a guy like that who probably would have broken every record in the NFL, yes, Emmitt Smith, you name it, Walter Payton, I mean, he just walked away from the game. Then you come, go a few years later on. They get another a Hall of Fame type player on offense by the name of Calvin Johnson, big time receiver that the organization so bad. He walks away from the game. Now, years later, here's Matthew Stafford, a, a, a quarterback with a rocket arm, you know, put up big time numbers. And, and now he's saying, hey, you know what? I've been here long enough. Uh, I've worn out my welcome and I'm moving on. So they make this trade that I think Detroit wins because what they're getting with a couple of first-round picks and all of that good stuff, plus, you know, they're going to get a young quarterback who's played in the Super Bowl, Jared Goff. Uh, yeah, he has some ups and downs, but this is a guy that can play. And, um, you know, it's one of them situations where I don't think the Rams are going to win this one. I think the Lions, you get players, you get a quarterback who's proven, a high draft pick. Yeah, we look at all the first-round picks that the Rams don't even have, haven't had. It's crazy, no. right? I start thinking Hershey years. Walker. Yeah, I start thinking about Hershey Walker. And, in fact, Deshaun Watson gets traded. My God, what's going to happen? If if Detroit's doing this with Stafford, what in the world somebody's going to give up for Deshaun Watson? So, to me, a little bit ludicrous. I don't think one guy – yeah, Tom Brady and all this makes uh, the difference that way. I think you need other pieces. I think the Rams have, need other pieces beside the quarterback. But, hey, Detroit, I ain't mad with you. Take advantage of those draft picks. So, I, I guess it just it, it prolongs Detroit becoming relevant. I mean, the, these first-round picks in the next couple of years, and so they're they're in rebuilding mode again. And so, for the Rams, they're in, in win mode now, win-now mode, and, and so this sets them up very nicely. So I don't think sacrificing those picks is that detrimental to the Rams. I mean, I think going out and grabbing proven players is a great strategy when you already have enough pieces in place. And so oftentimes I think that future first round draft picks and all that, they, they get overvalued many times. And it's nice when you stockpile them and, and, you know, a team like Dallas so many years ago when they, they won the, the Herschel Walker trade eventually, but, but oftentimes I, I prefer going to get the veteran proven player. And so if I'm in position right now to go trade for Deshaun Watson, I'm fine sacrificing some, some first round picks 
in order to get a proven top five quarterback. And so for the Rams, part of it, adding that extra pick too was getting rid of Goff's contract because they get Stafford who is a better quarterback and has a better contract. So giving that up was, was actually made a lot of sense uh, from the, from the Rams perspective and, you know, going out and getting Jalen Ramsey for a pick and, uh, you know, adding these veteran players to go along with some core pieces. You know, they added Cooper Cup through the draft and they went out and got Robert Woods and free agents, uh, free agency. They've added some nice pieces. So they're in position. Yeah, to be, what what you know, does that get them? Well, they've gotten to one Super Bowl and they, they're in the playoff. They're in the playoff hunt. It don't matter. My problem is when you're making these types of picks, you know, you just nobody remembers second place. You know, nobody will get a participation trophy because you made the playoffs. I mean, if you're going to make these types of things, you're going to go give up that. You better win a Super Bowl. I mean, because it's Super Bowl a bust. And let me just say this. For the record, and I keep saying this, I've been saying this for years, George Young, I sat in his office, God rest his soul, my old general manager for the Giants. And, and then when free agents started, I was around 1993, I believe, when free agency started. I was the first part of that. I ended up staying with New York. The Saints wanted to sign me for a long-term contract, you know, with Swilling and all those boys, 3-4 defense. I stayed in New York. Glad I did. And George Young said something. He said, Corey, a lot of these teams keep going out getting these high-priced free agents. He said, but I promise you, you look at the percentages, most of them, 90% of them don't work out. Now, we've seen it lately with Tom Brady and, and all the guys they brought into Tampa Bay, uh, and that's a rarity. Also, Peyton Manning going to, to Denver, that was a rarity. But when you look at overall, all this trading, all these going, it doesn't work out for the most part. And, and, and so I, I would much rather, I, I like the Giants philosophy, is you build your team through the draft. You build success through the draft. You get a good system in place. You get a team that knows how to evaluate talent, knows what they want, and you build your team through the draft. And you keep giving up picks. I mean, Hershey Walker, I mean, Dallas got three Hall of Famers. Think about it. They no, got three yeah. Hall of Famers uh, through that trade and won a couple of Super Bowls. And Vikings, they got nothing. I mean, so I, I'm a disbeliever that. Yeah, I get it. Sometimes you got to work in free agency, but if you're going to get a guy like this, that's why I'm not. I'm not. If the Panthers don't sell the form for Deshaun Watson, don't because it's probably not going to work out the way you want it. Because it becomes Super Bowl playoffs, great. Nobody cares. It's the only people that cares. Whoever hoists that trophy up on Sunday night. Yeah, Luke, you, you jump in, man. What did you think when you heard the news this weekend? Yeah, I think, piggyback, Bryce, to your point and, and Corey, it's all about, it seems to be all about strategy. The Rams have a, the past few years, it's a pattern of giving up picks for established players. That that seems to what their management wants. I mean, like the with getting Brandon Cooks from from New England, giving up yep. a first rounder. They, they, can, they continue to give up picks for established talents. Um, and then Corey bringing up the Giants, it's all about uh, strategy. And I wouldn't say the Rams, when McVay first got there, was Super Bowl or bust. Uh, there, I, I don't think there was a ton of pressure on McVay to get to the Super Bowl. They got there quick. But, but And they got there quick. But now, tons of pressure. And they're good. I, I think they got to be – They I think they have leaped heavily to uh, near the top of favorites to get there. Um I love it. I'm so happy for Stafford to get out of the Detroit 
prison that he was in for so long. And and I feel so bad for Goff. Like part of me thinks he's done. I, I'm a little pessimistic naturally, but I think I, I really think Goff could be done. Like I, he's not as good as Matthew Stafford. And Stafford, oh my gosh. I, and we talked about it in previous pods. It's crazy to think there's certain talents that based off situation, they just waste away. A career is wasted. And I, I hate to see that. I think I think that's gonna happen with Goff in Detroit. Yeah, I just wonder Jared Goff's like personality leader. Like he's just kind of a quiet guy and it can work. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl and and to me he kind of falls into that category and he's got to really be set up well. And and for whatever reason him and McVay seem to have a just kind of a falling out whether it was football or personally we're not really sure, but McVay was ready to move on from him. So I think they they could have gone back to the Super Bowl with Goff as long as you have enough talent around him, but I think Stafford overall is a better quarterback, but Stafford has not shown that he's a winner. And and I was listening to Colin Cowherd the other day, and he he made a great case for that. That you know even back to college, Stafford has underachieved from a winning standpoint. So he's got all the talent. So will McVay be able to to, to pull something out of him to get him over the hump as a winner? And that's going to be the, the the big question mark for me. Uh, I don't know if that gives Stafford enough credit. Dude has just been through the ringer. Uh, and and I'll, I will it's say this really though, all that, which is great. He he's a dog. He he he's laid it. He's given everything he has for Detroit. He he could have. There's there's a handful of moments he could have he could have really taken plays off, um, thinking you know what we're not going anywhere anyway. I mean the the two minute clip that's on Twitter right now of him playing through a was it broken shoulder. clavicle? Yeah, something yeah, shoulder injury. Insane. So I'm I'm super happy for him. Um, what was interesting? Maybe get your guys' take on this. Did you? There was a. It came out that he had a list of teams that he wanted to go to, and the only team he did not want to go to. He wanted to go to every other team. The only team was New England. He did not want to play for the Patriots, which is fascinating. So I don't know if that's Patricia being back there. Yeah. Or he just uh, – I feel like it, it's got to be Patricia, but there could be other reasons. Well, then you don't want to live up to the whole thing with the comparison with Tom Brady and all the all that drama. So, you you know, you kind of want to get a fresh start. I mean, listen, Matthew Stafford can throw the football. We know that. I mean, that's – you know, it's hard. To, and I think people don't understand how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl. For one, I played almost a decade and never sniffed it. I mean, and you had some good teams. So, you know, it's very difficult – to get to the Super Bowl, um, and you, everything has to work together. I mean, it's like, and you have to have some luck involved in it uh, as well. I mean, so it, you know, it just don't happen. I, I think this trade, at the end of the day, Stafford's happy, gets to go to LA, you know, gets to hang out with the base, baseball bud and all that great weather. You get out of Detroit. People don't like, you know, Detroit, but listen. Detroit's been a train wreck in the front office, kind of like what Houston is right now. And and the problem is in the front longer. office. Their problem was firing Jim Caldwell. I they agree. had a good head coach, and they had and they were making the playoffs. And they, yep. no, they want to go get rid of the coach. They got a good coach. And they bring in and Patricia, oh, let's go get this guy from, from the Belichick tree. And it's been just a total dumpster fire, right? And now nobody wants to go play there. And, and so now your best player wants out. And it's the same exact thing with Deshaun Watson. They, if the front office is making those types of mistakes and you're giving people like Jack Easterby uh, a chaplain, we love chaplains because he's preaching the gospel. We love character coaches. I'm one myself. But just to throw him in a position where he now 
acting as a GM? Are you crazy? I mean, it's like the, the whole upstairs is a mess. So Detroit got that issue, and they got somewhat of a basket case, excuse me, coach right now talking about eating up somebody's kneecaps and, and we'll see how what that's gonna look like so i don't know man listen if i'm if i'm stafford i'm happy who cares i'm i'm in la i'm in a team that's been in the playoffs last couple of years in the super bowl let's see what i can add to what they already have they got a great defense we know that number one defense in the league what can we do offensively? I still think they need some more pieces on the outside at wide receiver, somebody that can threaten deep. Uh, so I think they need to pay attention to that. Uh, we'll see. I mean, but they're in a tough, defi- a tough division. Absolutely. That, that's for sure. And those, those teams aren't going away. And, and so I, I guess it, going back to this this point, because I think there's a, a, a debate here and, and, and people see it differently and you see it across the, the NFL – the idea of bringing in proven players versus stockpiling picks. And, and this happens in the NBA too. And NBA teams get all excited about all these second round picks that they have that end up never amounting to, to anything. And so I'm on the side, give me proven players, give me veteran players that I know what they can do. And so we've never really seen a, a player like Deshaun Watson available and, and demanding a trade at this point in the prime of his career. And we already know how good he is. We, we, he's already proven it. It's not even based on potential. And, and so if, if you are a fan of a, a rebuilding team, are you okay waiting it out where you say, all right, our team, we're, we're building through the draft year after year. We'll add pieces. We'll roll the dice in the draft because I don't like that because I look back at even th- take Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Those are the top two picks in, in that draft. Uh, you think of, uh, I mean, Andrew Luck was awesome for many years, but it didn't work out. And then Robert Griffin, the third, and then Blaine Gabbert and, and Blake Bortles and all these top picks that, that teams get all excited about. And you just don't know Mitchell Trubisky. And I, to me, it's just, it's such a, a, a toss up where you, you just never know what you're going to get at the top of the draft from quarterbacks. And, and to me, if you know that you can get Deshaun Watson, you do whatever you can to get him. So I'd love to know what people think on, on that are listening to the show today. Leave your comments uh, in the, uh, in the comments section, but uh, Corey, you, you, you disagree big time. Yeah. I mean, because you got a whole team, you got to think about, backups you got to think about special teams you got to think a whole a lot of other areas too that, that yeah but you know when you're giving up those picks i mean it's to me if the panthers let's just use the panthers because that's who we were close to right yeah i would love to see him i was asking i was talking to marcus spears on twitter uh the other day and you know and he he said miami so my whole point was like you ready to give up on tour for deshaun watson and you know, he felt like, yeah, because they're close and Sean Watson could be the piece that gets them over the hump. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Um, it's easy to say on paper. It's easy to say what somebody done yesterday. But but what I know, it doesn't matter because they have to be cohesion. Everything got to work together. You know, a new locker room, how these guys gel. We don't know. That's why I'm saying it seems good on paper. Deshaun Watson is fabulous, man. You know, the numbers he put up last year on a bad football team, yeah. really no weapons, it's, just, it's phenomenal. But that doesn't mean that you're going to now just change your your, your, your zip code and, and now that everything's just going to work out because you got a, a phenomenal quarterback. It don't always work that way. You know, there's a, what the offensive line is going to look like. Can they protect him? We know this guy took a lot of hits in the last couple of years. He's running for his life. You know, does he have the big-time players on the outside that can 
uh, beat one-on-one coverage and get open. So all of these things going to have to work together. So if I'm putting a GM hat on, I like Deshaun Watson. Yeah, am I willing to give up three first-round picks and 22 or 21, 22 or 23, then the second round and then my quarterback? And then no way. I mean, no way. Because I'm basically selling the farm thinking that this guy could take me to the promised land yep. on his arm. And, and I, I just – I couldn't do it. You're a Lakers fan. I'm a Lakers fan. The Lakers gave up everybody for Anthony Davis, and they won a championship. If, yeah. if you've got somebody that's that elite, that, that's, that, that has already proven it, I think you can do it. So, we'll, I mean, we'll no, you can't do it, but I'm saying it's you are taking a big-time risk. And, I mean, I, I just – I think most people will say, no way. You know, yeah, if you want a risk taker and say, hey, because think if it don't work out, your butt is so far set behind, you're not going to be able to make up. Because you, you you sold your form. So you got to have pretty much – I can see Miami. Panthers, I know I like that. I don't see the Panthers just yet being that. Uh, I think if he decides to go anywhere, San Francisco, Miami, maybe the two teams that maybe can, he could be a difference maker. But still, I'm on, I'm on edge on the side of caution. If you play it safe, then you're – I don't know. To me, you're, you're not moving ahead. So, I, I like these teams. So you'll be fired. You, you want them, Jim. You'll be fired out of the so quick. <laughs> I'm going for it. I'm going you go, for it. You're going to have a short career, buddy. But see you later. <laughs> Give me the proven guy. I want him. I want him on my team. Let's go. So, all right. The uh, let, Let's talk about the Super Bowl. It's Monday, and so a lot of uh, hype and momentum will will build throughout the week. And and I know – for me, I'm excited about the matchup. I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of, of either team. And uh, Travis Kelsey's probably my favorite player uh, of anybody in the game. Uh, of course, I you know, respect Tom Brady, and it, it would be fun to see him win again just as a, as a sports fan to see greatness. I, I always appreciate that. And it, it's funny, as guys stay in the league for, for longer, I become more and more a fan of those guys. Like Brett Favre, I didn't like initially, but he stuck around so long, I eventually started to, to be a Brett Favre fan. And uh, I think of, you know, just all the greatness over the years. Michael Phelps going to the Olympics back-to-back. You just root for those guys. Tiger Woods, the, the greatness. So th- there's that factor for me. You can look at my wall behind me. I got I got Tiger and Jordan and Kobe and, and Steph Curry. And there's Favre up there, too. So that, from that standpoint, it, it would be great. But but here's the, the topic I want to throw out that, that, that bubbles up when you look at these two, two teams. The head coaches. So they're both older coaches. And here's the thing. Both of them did not win at their previous head coaching stop. And then you look back at history, and there's somewhat of a common thread where retread coaches actually win Super Bowls. So Bill Belichick failed at Cleveland, won in New England. Uh, Dick Vermeil won in, in uh, St. Louis. Uh, you look at Pete Carroll in Seattle. Uh, Gary Kubiak. One in Denver after failing in in Houston. And so to me, it's a fascinating idea. And oftentimes we go, ah, that guy was no good at, you know, the first time he was given a head coaching job. And I think teams that are willing to to, to say, you know what, this guy's been around long enough. He's got something. And so will that be Mike McCarthy in Dallas? Could could he, you know, he's kind of that retread guy, but he's already won before. Yes. Come on, bring it on. Speak it into existence. Doug Peterson, now available. (laughs) Uh, even though you know, he won in Philly. So those guys are proven guys that will they get another shot? And then you mentioned someone like Jim Caldwell, 
Uh, he kind of was in Indy and then, you know, went to uh, Detroit, but still did well. Tony Dungy, quote unquote, failed in Tampa Bay, then won in Indy. So I, I just I, I, I noticed that and recognized that with with Bruce Arians and Andy Reid. And it, it just curious if you guys back to the, the GM hats and, and listeners can jump in on this as well. Do you go the oh, we want to find the next great hot coach or do you go the retread route? Give somebody another chance. Because look what Andy Reid has done and look what Bruce Arians has done, not to mention all the other guys. First of all, I would not call Andy Reid a retread. Okay. I mean, a- Andy Reid is, is definitely one of the greatest coaches. I, I'm going to put him in there of all time. Um, Andy Reid was really good with the Eagles. He just, oh, you yeah. know, kind of like his – sometimes you just have to make a change. Now, Bruce Arians is probably a retread. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that guy – you know, but uh, Andy Reid yeah, is that dude. Andy Reid is the most, one of the most well-respected coaches in the National Football League. You know, so I would roll with Andy Reid if I had an opening as a GM. That that type of guy, the 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 coaching tree, the the experience, the likable. I mean, no, I've never heard one bad thing about Andy Reid. I mean, nothing. I mean, people love him, and that's why I'm that's why I'm pulling for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl just because I like Andy Reid as a coach. And I know when you got a coach like that, that players love and players go to battle with, and he's a player's coach, I mean, listen, man, this dude is just phenomenal. But when you talk about McCarthy, eh, I, I didn't like that hire with Dallas. I mean, to be honest with you, sorry, Luke. I, mean, I, I didn't like that hire at all. I mean, we saw this team and how they struggled. And then he got to fire the whole staff, Mike Nolan. He brought Mike Nolan in, who's my defensive coordinator in New York. I mean, Mike <laughs> Nolan's been around, you know, with Dick Nolan's dad and all this stuff, San Francisco, Atlanta. He's about, come on, bro. You bring in just all these innovative defensive coordinators. You bring in Mike Nolan. I mean, the defense <laughs> was horrific. I it mean, was so bad. no, it was bad. Don't, don't give me no retread. Don't. I mean, and I'm not putting Andy Reid in that category, guys. I'm saying today's game, you got to find that innovative coach that's a motivator, that gets it, that, that understands the locker room, that can relate to those guys. Give me give me that guy. I mean, because I want the, the McVeigh's. I want the innovative guy, that, that kind of young, vibrant, that gets it. I don't want old school. I don't want – don't tell me, oh, we want to bring back Dan Reeves. <laughs> you know, I want, to, I want to bring back – no, 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 no. I want to bring back, you know, Steve Spurrier. No, 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 no. Give me the, the new innovative guy, and let's ride. Hey, the McCarthy hire, it's hey, – in the grand scheme of things, yeah, not the best hire. But he certainly was the best available. We abs- – Cowboys fans absolutely had to get Jason Garrett out of Dallas. Too many years of eight and eight. And McCarthy, he seemed to be the best available. I will say, the the, the Mike Nolan, uh, uh, atrocious. So thank, we're moving on from that. But McCarthy seemed to be the best available. So you, you make a good point, but the context of it, man, like we had to hire someone, and it was not Jason Garrett. It was not keeping him in town. I know, but what, what, what are you going to do now? I mean, they were, they were terrible. Mike McCarthy. We'll yeah. When, when Dak gets back. You need a healthy roster and certainly need – I mean, the defense is, is horrible. I mean, the, the biggest holes in the wall are on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, we're competent and we're cap- and Dallas is capable. Um, there's just some major, major holes in the defensive end that no matter no matter how good your offense is, you cannot win. I mean, Dak, 
was, I mean, leading the league in passing yards by a mile, and still we still couldn't win games. So it just the defensively was was just sinfully bad. Well, you mentioned Jason Garrett. He's he's a guy that that would fall into that. Another team gives him a shot, and maybe uh, he does it. I can I can I could never give my I could never support that. I'm just saying we have to look at the trends over the yeah. year. There were guys that oh Pete Carroll he can't coach, and then look what look what he did. And and so th- those guys are out there, and it'll just be interesting as the, the latest trend was all right. Let's go get Sean McVay lookalikes, and so that was mm-hmm. you know let's see if Cincinnati and Zach Taylor you know that works out. Cliff Kingsbury in uh, in Arizona, the, 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 do those situations work out, or do teams kind of look around and go wait a second? We just saw Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, those kind of guys. Maybe that's the route we go. So it's just something, I, I, an observation. I, I, to keep think an the thing, I think the thing we're maybe not considering, and, and maybe I'm off on this. I would love to hear Corey's perspective being a former player is outside of football mind. So these, these Sean McVay lookalikes, they're football geniuses, innovative, genius game planners. Corey, how high do you value a leader of men? Because Jason Garrett, players love playing for him. He was a leader of men. Uh, like he was a great leadership figure he he started losing in the x's and o's but he could rally guys so Corey, how high do you value like they yes they may be an innovative young coach genius but how much leadership in being able to rally men how 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 necessary is that great question i mean and i i value that a lot i really do you know because you got a lot of attitudes a lot of personalities in the nfl locker room that are very strong personalities um and if you can't get and penetrate those guys and and how to get them to work and how to get them to play and perform for you it's going to be a major problem because you know this is a the nfl as much as college is about the coaches the nfl it's about players it's a players league period and the players have the power to a certain degree to it comes to hiring and that type of thing. But, but when you talk about the locker room, you got to have a guy that can motivate, a guy that understands how they work, uh, how to get guys to jail together, work together. It's 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 really it's really important. I mean, or you better have a great leader in the locker room that a coach can trust, or or, or associate head coach or somebody. You know, I look at the Deuce Staley. I look. I uh, look at uh, Eric B. Enemy with a- Andy Reid. You know, Andy Reid's an old school kind of guy, but his coaching staff can relate to players. Like he gets the respect, he delegates the authority and says, "Hey, you know, I may not be the rah rah guy and this and that, but I got guys that can do that." I look at Nick Saban in Alabama, old school guy. I mean, he just got a Twitter account, I think, just like a, two days ago. <laughs> but uh-huh. you know, but he's got he's he gets it, so he's got guys that do what he needs to be to get done. So yeah, it's important, Luke. Um, is it the most important? Maybe not, but, but I think if you can't win the locker room as a coach, you're going to lose guys because they know they, they, they can control some things in that locker room. So I I will say Jason Garrett being a former player gets it right. He he knows, he knows how the players think he knows the mentality. Uh, but some of these new coaches, these analytic guys, these guys like Charlie Weiss that I that I knew from South Carolina as a GA and came to the Giants as a quality control guy. And this guy ends up becoming the head coach. No name, never played no football, made a perfect score on his SAT. You know, what is he gonna send in the locker room? <laughs> like he don't have that. He's smart, 
he's a genius, but he don't he don't have any locker room qualities. <laughs> don't work too well. Yeah, no, it's a it's a fascinating kind of balance of true leader, and it's there, there's no question. And oftentimes, you know, uh, a guy like uh, John Harbaugh, who was a special teams coordinator, and and he was picked out as wow, this guy's a great leader. And so the Ravens went and got him. Versus, was he Mister X's and O's? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. As much as he was a great leader, um, you know, Mike Tomlin. These are the guys that, to me, that's how I would build a team. I would build a guy that's a true leader, and also not only a leader of the players, a leader of assistant coaches, and and where assistant coaches respond well, and the, and, and you you're able to attract the, the top assistants and keep them there for a while too. I think that goes a long way. And even if guys do leave and they get other opportunities somewhere else for for promotions you replenish because guys want to want to coach with you um, to me that that's how you develop longevity. And so Andy Reed, he, he always refuels guys want to come, come coach with them. And, and so he'll get former head coaches like Steve Spagnola to come and you know be a D coordinator, that kind of thing. And so, they're staying there. I mean, next yeah. year Spagnola could be there again. B enemy could be there for a fourth straight year, which it, I mean, Kansas city was already returning. I mean, on, just on the defensive end, Kansas city returned 10 starters from last year. A team that a team that limited what the twenty points of the 49ers in the Super Bowl who were rolling offensively all last year. They returned ten starters and their assistants. Holy cow. That that is a winning formula that seems just unachievable by almost every franchise. Yeah, but if you think about, you know, for the most part, the Bucks brought a lot of players back, but they did add, of course, key quarterback and, and some other guys. So yeah, to a lot me of guys. No, they had a lot of defenders come back. A lot of defenders come back. And, and, and so, you know, Ronald Jones was their running back last year. They added Leonard Fournette. But coming into the season with all the uncertainty of what the virus would do to the season, you know, it's no surprise that the Chiefs and their continuity got them to this point. But then for the Bucs to do that and overcome, you know, you know some, new, some new guys as well, uh, more so than, than the Chiefs, uh, says a lot about what Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, the leadership that they had to, uh, to get guys to this point. So. Now we've got the matchup. It's Chiefs and Bucks. What are the storylines you'll be following this week? What are what are kind of your uh, perspectives on on this game? What you'll be looking for even earlier in the game as it gets going, and and how you how you see uh, one team pulling out the the victory? Corey, you go ahead, man. Well, you know I think it's an intriguing matchup. These two teams played. In case you folks out there forgot, early in this year. I mean, we had Tyreek Hill turning backflips in the end zone. Yeah, in that same stadium, I believe. Yeah, Raymond James. Yeah, this great sombrero, whatever they call that. But anyway, <laughs> I like the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs on offense, let's start the Chiefs offense versus the Tampa's defense. As much credit and love that I've given this defense of Tampa Bay, they are the reason that Tampa Bay is playing at home in the Super Bowl. It's not because of TB12. You can talk about he's leading the locker room and all that, blah, blah, blah. The reality is the reason that Tampa Bay even has a seat at the the Super Bowl table is because of the defense. And how will this defense match up against this offense of Kansas City? We've seen a sample size of this. We've seen what the, def um, the defense did against Kansas City. Nothing. They got routed. Tyreek Hill had 200 and something yards, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly. Tyreek Hill had over 200 yards in the first half. 
right? We're not even talking about Kelsey and these other guys. They got Alaire back. They got all their pieces back. Sammy Watkins will be back. They're going to be full throttle offensively. You have to pick your poison, how you want to defend these guys. Well, I like the Bucks defense. Fast. They hit you. They're active. JPP. I like Sue in the middle in his old age, causing some issues. But this offense with Patrick Mahomes, the GOAT, the updated GOAT of the National Football League, they can't stop him because the pass rush is good, but he can move around. He can run it. He's not a blazing guy, but he runs it to get what he needs to get. I mean, listen, guys. Kansas City going to score 35, 32, 35 points. Can Tom Brady, on the flip side, match that? Can he get things going? I think Antonio Brown may be out for this game. I know they got Scotty Miller. I like him. He's a nice little player. But listen, Kansas City defense is nothing to write home to mom about. But they are opportunistic. Now, mark this right here down. There's a guy we call Honey Badger. Oh, he possibly could be the MVP in this ball game because they're going to play a lot of robber coverage. They're going to bring him in the box. They're going to blitz him. You can watch 32. They move him all over the place, right? And they're going to take away some things from Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is not a deep down the field throwing. They want to throw a bunch of things on the inside. Well, Kansas City is going to funnel things on the outside. Tampa Bay, decent running team. Fournette, all these other guys, nah, Jones, they ain't going to happen. The Chiefs going to roll by double digits in this game. Ooh. They are just that much better. And listen, they don't panic. They get behind early like Buffalo people. Oh, just, listen, that's how they play. They turn it on when they want to turn it on. So expect Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Harden, all these guys. Woo! Speed, guys. Ferrari. We talked about that. Tampa Bay is a Bentley. Old, classic, heavy car, you know, methodical, looks good, you know. But, boy, they getting ready to face a 456 V12 Ferrari GT. I had one of them one time, guys. Woo! Zoom! 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 <laughs> you know, you got that big, that, that old Bentley Rolls Royce. Old people drive those things down. They, they, they drive them old car. They nice. Hey, last week we said don't sleep on Mike Evans, the Toyota Sienna. That dude's a minivan. He just produces every year. Produces. Thousand-yard season. Thousand-yard season. <laughs> Well, all right. So, no, I, I, I hear you. And I, I think Kansas City is, uh, yeah, clearly the, the favorite to win. And I, I read an interesting article, though. The, uh, throughout this season, in the fourth quarter, the scoring for the Bucks and the Chiefs, very similar. However, the Chiefs are not great at defense in the fourth quarter. They, they give up a lot of points in the fourth quarter, whereas the Bucks do a great job in the fourth quarter. So, to me... How close will the game be going into the fourth? And and I think back to you know Tom Brady's Super Bowls over the years. And the one good thing about Brady always being in the Super Bowl, we usually get a good game. Other than the Rams-Patriots that was such a low-scoring game, too many punts uh, for me. But overall, they, they've been entertaining games. And I'll even throw that out there to the, to the listeners. What, what was your favorite Tom Brady Super Bowl? He's been to nine of them. What was the best one? Uh, it's easy for me, the David Tyree catch and uh, the, the, the undefeated season that wasn't. Uh, that was the best one for me. But but we've seen tight, close games when, when he's in there. So I'll kind of expect that 
again. Now, you mentioned the Chiefs Bucks when they played earlier this year. That was another close game. So it's close, it's tight. And you know what I think the difference is? Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid and his play calling and, and his preparation for the team will just be a slight edge. And I think the Chiefs will win in a in a tight one and and we'll we'll point back to man. Andy Reid had these guys ready. That was all the difference. He'll make one key call, just like he did in the Browns game. It was just like, ah, the fourth down call. It'll be something like that, and we'll go, Andy Reid did it again. He, he made it happen. Bryce, Bryce, Bryce. See, let me say something to you. Bill Parcells said this best. He said, stats are for losers. And these stat guys throwing all these stats out here and all that defense they've begun to fall. Do you know that the reason why this thing is inflated in the fourth quarter, guys, Luke? You know why, Luke? Because the game is over. The game is over after the third quarter, and they get preventive defense, let people run up down the field, and it makes like the game, just like the Bucks game against Kansas City, wasn't as close as the score indicated. I mean, so my, my thing is, look at Buffalo. Look at Tony's other game. That's why Kansas City throughout the season, that fourth quarter defense plays prevent defense most of the time because they teams were coming from behind. So don't look at that number. You, you it can fool that. you. It can fool you. No, you you think that. You think that all oh, the Chiefs blew everybody out this year. They actually didn't. They were in a lot of tight games. They weren't lighting it up like like they have in recent years. It, it wasn't that type of season for them this year. Well, when you have 14 in the NFL, that's a lot. I mean, not like college, but when you have 14, 10, that, that's, that's a sizable league with what we call the NFL because that's hard to come back from. It really is. And so, yeah, they play from behind sometimes, but I'm telling you right now, I, that wouldn't bother me. That wouldn't bother me at all. Out. No, it's it's a little bit different. I think we we we've bought that narrative. Oh, they just they just run away with everybody. That hasn't that hasn't been the case. Um, not this season. So now they've, they've been awesome and, and Tyree kill had a great year and Kelsey had a great year and Mahomes and all that, but, um, they had some tight, they had some tight ones. I like pulled them out. So the, actually the bucks had more blowout wins than the chiefs did this year. So there's your stat for you. Corey. Let, let me, let me throw some more, let me throw some more stats out here. So I think I have figured out, well, not me, I, uh, reading off an ES, great ESPN article, given some good stats, breaking down, uh, the Super Bowl. The, I think the only way Tampa Bay wins is in a shootout. Mm. I think they have to win in a shootout against Kansas City. So uh, at the Unpacked Trivia Night last week, um, one of the guys who came, Mitch, he said, and this with this ESPN article also said, Patrick Mahomes is the best, is the highest QBR in the league against the Blitz. Tampa Bay blitzes heavily. So if we're thinking it's going to be a, Tampa Bay defense need to, needs to limit Kansas City with how, what Tampa Bay does well. It's not going to work. Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal, phenomenal against the blitz. Tampa Bay, the last six games, has averaged 35 points a game. They have to keep riding that out. If they want to beat Kansas City, it's going to be in a shootout. Or unless Jason Pierre-Paul somehow has a Hall of Fame game in this Super Bowl. But I really think it's oh, it's got to be, it's got to be yeah that's right it's got to be Tampa Bay beating Kansas City in a shootout because Kansas City their defense is average middle of the road you bring up the fourth quarter they can give up points but no matter what you do Kansas City is going to score points it, it's it it doesn't seem very it's not very often Kansas City is going to be limited because they have so many weapons they can go over the top to 
uh, to Tyreek, they can go underneath to Travis Kelsey. Mahomes gets out of the pocket, throws on the run incredibly. Tampa Bay's got to score points. I think that's their only chance. And I don't think they do it. I think Kansas City wins handily. Oh, you think they win handily? Okay. So I, I'll, I'll take, very smart, man. I'll take Kansas City in a shootout, but I, I think the Bucs will, uh, will stick with them for a while. So I think it'll be a tight, tight game in the fourth, and Kansas City pulls it out. So there you go. All right. We'll, uh, we'll have some fun, and we'll do some of the, the, the prop questions uh, with Luke in, in just a little bit. But, but let's, let's start with uh, our segment we call Unpack This. We, we do it every week, and we take a, a sports story related to the Bible, and, and we send these out through email uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, I write on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Corey does a video Tuesday and Thursday uh, meant to be an encouragement to, to you. Uh, as you're a part of the uh, the Unpacking It community, and, and it starts as an encouragement to me, and then I share it with you. And, and so I want to go back to the Stafford and Goff trade. And when I think about what took place, I, I start with Detroit, and I think about, okay, Matthew Stafford and the new front office agreed that it was time to move on. They agreed that their run was over. It wasn't a great run. And they agreed that, you know what, you know what's best for both sides is we trade Matthew Stafford. And so they agreed, and they, they went to, to find a trade. Well, then the Rams, what did they have to do? They had, had to agree to move on from Jared Goff, and they had to agree in their front office that it was worth giving up those draft picks, and they agreed that they wanted Matthew Stafford. And, and so uh, across the board, in order for this this deal to 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 go through, a lot of agreeing had to uh, to be done, and and so you know for for us as this this relates to our own lives and and when I think about that that word agree, the encouragement for us today is to ask ourselves: Do we agree that the Bible is true? Do we agree that Jesus is who He says He is? That He came to Earth, He died, He rose again. And, and that he said, hey, I'm, the, I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. Do we agree that that, that is true? And, and then from there, you know, the, the way that the, the Lions had to agree, eh, the, the, the route, the path that we're on, it's not working. So we got to do something different. And so for us, we have to agree with God that at, at some point when we initially decide to follow Jesus to say, you know what, my way is not the right way. And I agree that God's way is the best way. So I'm going to surrender my life and I'm going to, I'm going to give up going my way and I'm going to pursue God with all my, my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so it comes to a point of, do you agree? And, and so we have, to, we have to ask that question to us, you know, to each of us today. And we're all at different points in our journey, uh, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And, and so even for those of us that have walked with the Lord for a while and, and, and seek after him, there are, are moments in the day, there are, are times that, that we go through where we slip up and we give in to sin and we, we pursue our, our you know, selfish desires. And in that moment, or as we process it and as we come before the Lord, we have to confess and agree with him that, you know what, I, I did sin. I, I made a mistake. I, I, I grieved the, the Holy Spirit and, and I, I went my own way in that situation. And so, again, it comes back to this, agreeing. And, and so if we live our lives with, with too much uh, stubbornness and, and, and an unwillingness to confess sin, then we're carrying that around with us. And, and, and Corey did a, a devotional last week about letting go of the weights that are, that are holding us down. 
And, and so for us, we have to be willing to agree with the Bible that it's true. And when we present uh, or when we come before the Lord and he convicts us of sin in our life and we say, yeah, you're right. I, I agree. I, I made a mistake. I repent. I turn from it and I'm ready to go the right direction. And so let me share uh, this verse with you today. First John 1, 8 through 10. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And so it's agreeing that I'm broken, I'm sinful, in need of a savior. And then as we continue to walk with them, it's, it's agreeing in those moments where, ah, I blew it. I agree. And I, I don't want to do that again. I want to move forward. So as we think back to uh, the Stafford and Goff trade and all that was agreed upon in that, in that deal, you know, we think about, man, I agree that, that the Lord died on the cross for me and what a trade that is, that, that he took the punishment for my sin uh, and he, he took the, the punishment of death on the cross and rose again. And so now we can live with him now and forever. So you can unpack that. We'd love to know your thoughts. You can leave your comments uh, in the, uh, the comment section. Uh, Corey, what would you add to that? You know, I think you got to get to a place in, in your life where it's very clear that I need a, I'm in need of a Savior. I'm, I'm a sinner that I need to be saved by grace. I can't earn it. I can't purchase it. It's a free gift from God. And we all need that gift. And I have to basically accept that gift. You know, and, and um, well, I heard somebody say, until you are in a place, sometimes a lot of us, I know it was for me, until you are in a place, in a valley, that we see that need, right? When we're in trouble, the, we, we can't see our way out, that we finally get to a place to say, I know God is a God even in my dark place, even in my deepest sin, even in, in my darkest failure. God is God, and he still sent Jesus to die. He is faithful. He is just. He is sovereign. And, 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 and when you get to that place, I have to come into agreement. And, and, and here's the thing for me when you were saying that, Normally, we get to that place, Bryce and Luke, and then it's the thing as we walk the journey. As we walk the journey with Jesus is where now we have to get into, into total agreement. That means that he's just not Savior. That means, okay, I, I pray Romans 10 and 9, you know, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sin. If I, if I believe that, I'm saved. Okay, that means, okay, he's my Savior, but now to get in agreement with making him my Lord. That's a whole nother category of saying he's my master. He's my owner. He's everything. He's about every decision in my life that I need to walk in alignment with. I have to walk in agreement with. And those are the things where the Holy Spirit becomes so precious and so amazing. Because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, once I get into the agreement that I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior, that I have a helper called the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me. And the Holy Spirit is there for a lot of different reasons. And one of them is to warn you. One of them is to show you when you're walking in that path of disagreement or disobedience. That's the, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Then it's up to us to say, okay, I'm wrong. You know, I shouldn't be doing this, that, or the third. 
And, you know, then we get to those gray areas. What's this, this sin? Or can I do this? We start to flirt like that little kid. Let me touch the socket. Let me touch the hot stove. Is it, am I going to get burned, God? These are the things I see that becomes the issue. The gray areas in our walk and our journey with Christ and the Holy Spirit. If we just lean on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, say, "Hey, if I gotta ask the Holy Spirit, normally it's, it's probably not a good thing, right? Is this wrong? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, how how do I get away from these things? So we have to get into agreement, at, uh, Luke, to to say, you know what? I, I want to hear the Holy Spirit, and I want Him to be more active in my life because He's in every believer. But a lot of believers, he's dormant because they don't spend enough time in God's word and in prayer to be able to hear or they ain't caught in the business and the, the daily lives. And sometimes we miss what the Holy Spirit is saying. So we got to get in that agreement. I'm speaking to Christians who have professed Christ in their lives that if that's you, the agreement needs to be, Lord, through this journey, when you speak to me, when I need to change an area of my life, and it's hard because we get in our ways. Help me to change them. I want to be in agreement so I can fulfill and I can walk in the purpose that's worthy of my calling. Amen. Amen. Corey, Luke, I loved, yeah, Corey, I loved the tangent. You guys are saying some great stuff. I love the tangent you, you bring up of this, this Savior versus Lord dichotomy that we see. Cheap grace has infiltrated churches in America. This, uh, and, but God is not in the business of giving out cheap grace mm. because he, he literally died for us. So this idea, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people want to, I want Jesus as Savior, but I don't want him as Lord. And that, that's, not, that's just not an option. If, if, if we have a high view of Scripture, believe that the Bible has authority, everything in it is true, read the New Testament. And just look at the example of Christians. Look at what repentance is. Repentance is is turning from one direction to another. You don't see accepting Jesus as Savior, but then not following him as Lord. That, That is not a pattern you see in Scripture. But that idea has infiltrated churches in America, this this idea of pray a prayer, and then, yeah, still kind of do your own thing, but at least you're saved. That is just not not an ex, not a pattern or an example we see in Scripture. So I love that you bring that up because Jesus is Savior and Lord, and you can't you can't separate those because God again God is not in the business of giving out cheap grace. He's not like He wants our hearts. He wants us to follow Him to be in relationship to. And, and of course, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but the, there is there's a beauty in being saved, but then fellowshipping with God through following Him. Uh, so, Corey, I, I love that you bring that up because that I feel like this idea needs to be continued to be echoed and echoed more and more because a lot of people are losing sight of, sight of that as, as as the gospel is attempted to be watered down more and more and more uh, in our culture of just religious parody where there's this there's not exclusive truth claims it's it's all relativity and I mean the gospel is not relative it's true. Look, my pastor preached a sermon, and we did a series called I Need a Change out of Colossians, I think, chapter 3. And, you know, he, one of the things he brought up was, you know, 70, they did a survey, 72, 75% of people that didn't go to church and they don't want to go to church because, you know, they say Christians are hypocrites, right? And, and the reality is we all to a degree because they don't understand that we all fall short of God's glory. I think Bryce mm-hmm. alluded to that. 
and they see but it, it's not just that is that they see christians christians living a, a a worldly lifestyle right that say hey I'm, I'm a child of the most high god but then their lifestyle doesn't add up to it and, I, and i'm just saying this because this was my life for a while because i was even in ministry you can make jesus christ your savior and he not be lord i mean a lot of us hear me when i say this you may be a christian but jesus christ is nowhere near being your lord because you haven't given up certain things in your life you hadn't say hey lord take this area of my life whatever it may be i was guilty of that i mean and then that came through my family through my marriage a lot of areas i i god had the holy spirit i had to get into agreement bryce and said lord you're right you're not you know you're not my lord i was professing i was a christian i believed yeah but I wasn't walking in, in the lifestyle that was worthy of my calling because there was areas in my life I was not willing to surrender. And when you make him Lord, you surrender. Even those areas that it hurts. That's what the area, he wants to be the Lord in your marriage. He wants to be the Lord in our finances. He wants to be the Lord in every single phase, in your job. What you can, Whatever you think of, he wants to be Lord. And he says, I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt you. I want to do things. I want to give you your best life. I came that you may have life, life to the full. So if you want to experience the fullness, the life here on this side, and we know the eternity, the full life in heaven, we make him Lord, just surrender. And that's tough to say, man, I give up my will in exchange for your will. And a lot mm. of Christians don't want to do that because they want to have control over certain areas. God, you can be Lord of this area, but uh, don't touch my money. I don't want to pay no tithes. The tithes really matter, you know. I want to do this, um, you know. I, I, you know, I don't want to really pray for other people. I tell them, you know, how about this one? Oh, I'll pray for you. Do you really pray for them? Mm. You know, just this, this, this areas, man. That that you right, Luke. We got to tighten button up because if we want to make change in our community, in, in, in our in our homes, then we need to surrender. And make him Lord of every facet, every single area, and get into agreement with him. I'm just saying that because this is passionate for me, because I heard God clearly said, I'm not your Lord. I was in counseling, and he said, write down who's in charge of these areas. I started, Corey, 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 maybe a little bit wife, maybe a little bit, you know. And I, I was convicted, man, and, and to like, God, you need to be Lord of my life. I haven't told us. I was preaching the gospel. I was giving a good word. I can preach, man. I, I could tear the walls down sometimes that anointing get on me. But <laughs> there, was, there was areas in my life that wasn't surrendered. That, that's, that I'm just being truth. I'm telling the truth and shaming the devil this morning. And I know I, that, that this message that Bryce threw out there of unpacking it relates to a lot of people. And that it, we need to look at that because if we want to see the world change, the outside people that are looking at us, but we, our life can't look like their life. He that's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, dead. Die with that old self. Behold, all things have become new. Mm, okay, Corey, I'm, I'm, I'm done you, preaching. I'm sorry. You get, oh, man, you're, you're speaking my, my love language. I love talking about this stuff right now. Uh, at, and just uh, one last thing. At, at church yesterday, uh, my pastor brought up something so great. He's preaching through the book of Job, talking about suffering. And he, and he said this thing. He said, Christians, 
our goal in spreading the gospel, like Christianity does not spread by a bunch of famous people thanking God for what they have, because everyone will look at them and say, oh, you're thanking God, but you want all the same things I do. So there's no difference in lifestyle. Christianity spreads when we lose everything and we still are praising God for who he is. Hmm. That is the difference. And this, and, and if, if Jesus is not Lord, like Corey was saying, our lifestyle, our lifestyle is the same as other people who don't claim Jesus as Savior. If I claim Jesus as Savior, my lifestyle is identical to people who don't claim Jesus as Savior. What's the attractive nature of Christianity? Why would people even care? And, and, and I'm preaching to myself, too, because for, for, for a handful of years, I mean, I was I could I knew every right thing to say. And I was so obsessed with saying the right things and my reputation. But I was a whitewashed tomb in a lot of areas. And Jesus wasn't Lord in a handful of areas. But man, like following Jesus is a is a, an entire lifestyle. It's not just words. So core bringing the heat right now. That's uh, that just gets me excited. And it's a, it's a daily surrender. And so going back to the agreement, every day we have choices that we, we right in front of us, we either agree that God's way is the best way or we go our own way. And we have convictions where, where God says, hey, the direction you're going or what just happened was wrong. And we have to agree that, yeah, you're right. And then we go another direction. And so uh, we have that choice uh, each day to, to agree that, man, he is God, I am not. And his way, his best way is the best way. My, my way is not. And so that's the encouragement for us today. As you, you think about the, the Lions agreeing that eh, Matthew Stafford, not our best way anymore. And the Rams saying, eh, Jared Goff for us, eh, we agree. That's not, that's not the best option for us at quarterback anymore. So, uh, so, so let's uh, just evaluate our own, our own hearts and minds uh, today. Poor Jared Goff. Poor know, Jared Goff, man. Those are, those are imperfect agreements. I, I, I feel bad. <laughs> I agree. We all agree. We all agree. So, all right. Well, we'll wrap things up. We're already in overtime today. Thanks to everybody uh, listening. Uh, Luke, why don't you throw out a couple uh, little uh, prop bets questions that we'll uh, we'll give quick answers to. Uh, yep. People are throwing those out there heading into the Super Bowl. Yep. Okay. So, a couple prop bets. Prop bets are uh, they're so fun. I love looking at. Okay, is this going to happen in the game, or maybe is this going to happen in the game? So. Will there be a score in the first two minutes and 30 seconds of the game? That's a big question being asked right now. What do you guys think? Yes. I'm going to say no. High-scoring game. Lots of scoring. Starts from the beginning. Okay. Uh, here's, here's a classic one. Coin toss. Heads or tails? <laughs> well, are they going to let uh, – who's flipping? The, the official flipping? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. What's interesting, though, is the tail side on a quarter weighs heavier, I believe, than the head side. So like like Randy Moss used to always say, tails never fails. <laughs> That's what they do on PlayStation. Tails never fails. <laughs> okay, tails. It's going to be tails. Okay, here, here's here's one. Uh, here's a good one for Corey. Tyree Kill total receiving yards. Over or under 93 and a half? Oh, that's easy. Over. I mean, he had two plus and, and a half. The last game, who can stop him? My S is nobody, nobody. Yeah, over. over. <laughs> okay, and here, here's a, here's the last one. Will both teams have a lead in the first half, or is one team going to get out to a hot start and never look back? 
Will both will both teams share a lead in the first half? I'll say yes. Back and forth, back and forth game. I'll say no. I think the Chiefs going to get out early. It won't be their old standard of playing from behind. I think they're going to start fast. It, but you know, they'll they'll win the toss. Tails, it never fails. They'll win the toss and they'll score on the opening drive. That's probably one of them props too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Opening drive score. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, so those are some those are some of the questions that I was able to find. But this game, lot of excitement. Just even outside of all the discussion, I'm just so excited. I'm I'm just hoping for good football. I don't have a team. I don't have a horse in the race, but I hope for a great game. That's just really all I can ask for. Me too. So we're all going Chiefs. So we got we got yep. three uh, three Chiefs here. All right, <laughs> we got the Brady hater over there. I'm not a Brady hater, but I do think the Chiefs will uh, will do it. Go cheese the baby goat. That was that was another that was another thing. How many times will baby goat be said Ooh. during the broadcast? <laughs> What's funny is I see I always thought goat was a bad thing. Like when I was an intern in sports radio, like there was a segment that the guys used to have uh, goat of the weekend, and it was always the guy that blew it from the weekend. And so all, all, in recent years, that became a positive thing. So for me, it's still uh, – whenever I hear it, it's always a weird thing. But My, my I mean, generation, obsessed with acronyms, man. Blame my generation. Greatest of all time, right? The GOAT, like, at least what's, let's make one called the sheep. <laughs> the dumbest. <laughs> well, so I, I got an 18 Who's the sheep? Who's the sheep? <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm in animal mode all the time, trying to explain to little Maddie what all the different animals are. So I'm yeah. I, I gotta explain the goat. We do the sounds and everything. So <laughs> oh, we've we're gonna have to get a, a video of you teaching Maddie with the sounds that we can play on unpacking it live next week because that be that that's must see content right there. I was trying to do a dolphin sound and I sounded more like a seal. <laughs> so that was I, I've confused her already. And then, oh, that's what's wrong with your voice. It's not a cold. You've been trying to do all these animals. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the right. cold is a cover up. He's been really he's been trying to move and do rivets all weekend. That's right. The voice is worn out from the animal sounds. Well, uh, real quickly, a plug for Thursday night sports trivia. Uh, so February 4th, Thursday, 8 Eastern, the second edition of the Super Bowl trivia night here at Unpacking It. And so we do it virtually. Uh, would love for you, if you're listening today, to, to join us. Even though if you think you may not know it all, that's fine. We just have a blast. Some, Luke was one of the worst guys on there, and he, he still had a good time, right? Luke? I got, I got, I got spanked, but it was a fun time. So, well, that's good. So, uh, go to unpackingit.com/trivia, unpackingit.com/trivia, and then also if you haven't subscribed to the Unpack This devotional, uh, you can do that on unpackingit.com as well. And I got two special uh, announcements as well. The Unpack This Devotionals uh, Super Bowl edition are available in the Bible app. So we've got two new ones, actually three new ones, in the Bible app. So if you've got the Bible app on your phone, just search Unpack This Super Bowl content devotionals. Check that out. Also, our partners, Athletes in Action, they are featuring Unpack This Super Bowl uh, devotionals this week as well. So thanks to uh, athletesinaction.org for, uh, for sharing those with the athletes. Uh, a part of Athletes in Action. So, uh, man, awesome show today. Great to be with you guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, I got to get over this cold so that I can jump into some of that that dip on on Sunday night. I'm 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 I'm, I'm actually going to debut a new croissant um, dish. Uh, it's it's going to be like a pizza croissant dish uh, that I'm going to be working on. So, well, uh, I mean, you got to pronounce it. You got to pronounce it with no T. 
Yeah, about you and these uh, dishes and everything. I just heard that the other week on. It's kind of like I can't tell you what it is. It's probably. Let me just help the folks out. It's probably just a bunch of stuff you got in your cupboard and throw it in the pile. <laughs> add add some cheese and heat to it, and That's then it. you call us. Yeah, right. It's all about the narrative. It's all yeah. about the narrative. People you know, buy in. You know, we used to call that pageland slop. I slop. mean, so we, yeah, we, we call slop, like sloppy Joe, right? Slop, you just throw stuff, sloppy Joe's is a mixture of I'll, slop. I'll throw some of those down. Oh, oh, man. Oh, yeah, me too. So, anyway, so I'll be, I'll be making some good stuff uh, for my, <laughs> my Sunday sports viewing yeah, or Super Bowl viewing. But, uh, but anyway, have a great week, guys. Uh, thanks, everybody, listening today. We'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com, Corey, at unpackingit.com, or Luke, at unpackingit.com. Follow us on social media. And as we wrap things up each week, I always let you know I'm Bryce and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. And we will talk to you next Monday following the Super Bowl, 1030 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitter. We'll be there. And as always, available on podcast, anywhere podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. We're there. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This has been the Unpacking It Podcast.